Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, April the 10th, 2018. This is episode 2200, 2200 of the Survival Podcast. And this is going to be a good one. This is part five in the multi-part Bug Out Trailer series, which is probably going to take us all the way through 2018. We'll see how far we get today from the book of questions that Stephen Harris has compiled. And I, it literally is a book of questions that he has compiled from the first episode we did of this back in December of 2017. Uh, now up to the fourth month. We've been doing this the first Tuesday of every month. This month I had to punt on the first week's interviews due to some technical gremlins. So we have Steve with us today, the second Tuesday of the month. Remember, I have interviews crammed this week, so tomorrow we'll be hearing from Lynn Albright on uh, the current status of her son Ross uh, in the Silk Road case, and a very big precedent that's about to be set by the Supreme Court in regard to that case. And then we'll have another interview Thursday, which was our regular scheduled interview this week, at the Expert Council show Friday. So we are on a somewhat modified schedule this week, but I think it'll all be great content. I mean, this uh, bug-out trailer show that we've been doing, me and Steve, has been one of the biggest hits we've had in our almost 10 years running now. So we'll have Steve on in just a bit to talk more about bug-out trailers. Before we do that, let's hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is BulkAmmo.com. You know, I say this all the time because it's the most Simple way I can come up with to explain the importance of having a reasonable amount of ammo stored for your firearms. Your gun with no ammunition equals a very expensive club. It cannot do what a gun is designed to do without ammunition. It can't defend your home and your property and your loved ones. It can't put food on the table. And you really can't effectively train with it without having ammunition to put downrange, put on paper, put on steel, what have you to master your craft with your weapons. So you need ammo. We know that. That's, that's just a given. Like, gun, no ammo equals a club, right? So then when are we, where are we going to get our ammo? Well, especially with your common calibers, your .308, your 9mm, your .30-06, your .40 Smith & Wesson, your .45 ACP, all that good stuff. If you want to buy large amounts of it, you want to go to BulkAmmo.com, where you'll get great pricing, great service, and shipping so fast. When it shows up, you'll be like, what the heck is this? You'll be like, I just ordered this. How did it get? I mean, that's just the kind of speed they have with their shipping. Next thing you know, it's at your front door. For many of us, it'll be faster than going to the store and getting it because, well, that'll be this weekend, and then I got stuff going on, and maybe next week I'll get And it could have already been there a week ago. That's how it works out with BulkAmmo.com. Remember, they do have a discount for members of the MSB. You can find that in the benefits section of the Member Support Brigade. Next up today, Self-Reliance Magazine. This is my go-to source for information on modern homesteading, modern self-sufficiency, and modern liberty. Self-Reliance Magazine. From the uh, the second generation of the people that brought you Backwoods Home, they did over 23 years of that publication. It's now retired And Self-Reliance Magazine is the new sheriff in town, so to speak, in this world. If you're looking for something kind of like Mother Earth News without all the political bullcrap in it, uh, put out by true libertarians, then Self-Reliance Magazine is for you. Lots of great content, lots of great ideas, lots of great stuff, and they also do a discount for members of the Member Support Brigade. So if you're going to order a subscription, uh, go ahead and uh, get your discount from the MSB. And uh, if you just want to check them out, they have a lot of really great content available at self-reliance.com so you can get even before you become a subscriber. 
And before I bring Steve on, let me remind you really quick about the Member Support Brigade. Uh, you do get great discounts to many of our sponsors and a bunch of other people. How many companies? It's almost 80 companies now that offer discounts to members of the MSB for stuff you're probably buying anyway. Uh, from you know stuff for your gardening and trees and stuff like that with Bobble's Nursery, 10% off all trees and vines and bushes and stuff from there. Uh, things like NEC with a 20% discount on your seeds. Just in the planting time of the year that we're in right now alone, that can go a long way to paying back your membership in full. But if you name it, we probably have it there. And again, it's probably stuff you're going to buy anyway this year. You know, check in a few times a year, make smart buying decisions, use your discounts where they apply to you, gun adapters, ridge wallet, butcher block box. I mean, just so many things you can get discounts on. I'll bet you your membership will pay for itself at 50 bucks a year, about 18.3 cents an episode. When you get done with today's show, if you think, you know what, that was worth 20 cents and you're not a member yet, consider becoming a member and then get your money back. I, I created a win-win-win. You win, I win, and of course the providers win because they get that all-important incremental business, business they would not have otherwise had. Check it out today. Just go to survivalpodcast.com and click on Members to learn more. And with that, I'm really excited to bring back for episode number five of the Bug Out Trailer Show, Stephen Harris, probably the all-time appearing guest on the show. Hey, Steve, man, welcome back to the Survival Podcast yet again. Hey, Jack, I am having a blast. This is Bug Out Show number five, uh, Bug Out Trailer Show number five, and uh, it's something I've been looking forward to every Tuesday of the month is doing this. It's Love it. Just love it. And everyone's been emailing me saying, how much I look forward to the show. and We're covering preparedness top to bottom, only it's wrapped around bugging out with a trailer, but we cover food, we cover water, we cover sanitation, we cover power. It's, it's going to be one of the best primers we've done on preparedness in total. No, I, I completely agree. I think it's interesting that it's the same reason you test your preps by going camping. Right. By putting your mind in the scenario of, okay, I'm screwed, I have whatever I can carry and go with me, you force yourself to go through basically every single thing you need a redundancy for, and then you also force yourself to go, you know what, I can't have everything that I want uh, as a redundancy, so I have to figure out what the most important things are within my budget, my space, my time, my risk tolerance, and, and frankly, you know, what are my primary risks. If you are preparing for a hurricane in Nebraska – Please stop. Please stop. You're just, right? You're just, you're just, it's not going to happen, I promise you. If you're preparing for an ice storm in Miami, just you don't have to do that. You really don't. Look for hurricanes. That's, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, flooding. These are the things you need to be worried about. And then we have commonalities, of course, power outages and stuff like that. But, again, if you're in Miami and your power goes out, you're most concerned about staying cool. If you're in North Dakota, Yeah, you better be thinking about staying warm. But I, I think that it does create that universality that we can uh, grab this this subject, like you said, that we've got this wrapped around it like a giant taco of preparedness and, yeah. uh, and dig deep into it. But um, before we get into the questions for today, Steve, you sent me some pictures. You want to tell folks a, a, about them, and then I want to kind of tell a story that, I, that made me think of when I saw that. Well, I was uh, at one of my favorite places in Detroit, and that is the Henry Ford Museum, just called the Henry Ford now. And uh, I used to go there with my mentor from Chrysler when we were having uninspirational days, and we'd walk around, look at the old stuff, and look how things were engineered. And uh, He died last Christmas. His name was Clemente Mesa. 
and we just go there for inspiration. It's one of my favorite places, and I was there the other day, and I had my uh, my phone with me, and they have a camping display of what camping used to be like, and they had this trailer that folded out to be a tent. That was one picture that I took. I mean, this is like from 1920. And they had an old uh, Airstream, and they had um, uh, a VW Beetle camper. And I took a picture of a Model T that they had with a, a tent on the side of it. And it's like, look, this is what they did back in 1910. You know, they drove the Model T, and they put a tent on the side of it camped there and kept on going. It's like, you know, one of the things you've got to have to do this is you got to have a form of rugged individualism to do this. You're taking every stuff from your house. You're leaving your house because you're forced to. And you're going out to, you don't know where you're going with food, water, power, maybe some of those missing, maybe you pick some of those up on the way, but you're getting out with your family because you were in danger where you're at. This takes a spirit of rugged individualism that you have to foster if you are going to want to do this. And we are, you know, so... Much, you know, teacup children, nanny pamby, snowflakes, millennials, and everything else. You know, it wasn't that, like, you know, that much longer ago that we were still using kerosene lanterns. Absolutely. And you know that uh, that pop-up trailer that you sent, that I guess it was towed behind a vehicle or something, with the canvas yeah. covering up? You know, I, that there are pictures from the Civil War of, like, the first mobile hospital trailers yeah. that look exactly like that. They basically took that design and hooked it up to a car, right? And they did this <laughs> for fun, and they did it for practicality. So the reason I wanted to lead off with this is when I saw that picture, it, it brought me, you ever have, like, you look at a picture, and it's totally unrelated, but it just makes you have a flashback. So right. I flashback to this place. When we moved to Hot Springs, Arkansas for a while, I started looking for places to fish and stuff like that. And there's a lot of stuff north of Hot Springs that was built by the Civilian Conservation Corps under Roosevelt during the Great Depression. So this is the 1930s. It's not even the 1910s, 1920s. And uh, we found this one little place about 10 miles north of the city. And it was like stoned in and kind of some weirs in a, a, a creek and all. And there were some people fishing there and catching bluegills and stuff like that. So like, this is a great little place to hang out. I started looking at it, it's like really made to walk in and on. There's one of these plaques there that tells you about the history of it. So it turns out that this place was built by the CCC in the 30s because Hot Springs was a big destination for people coming out of northwestern Arkansas and southeastern, southwestern Missouri and places like that and even Oklahoma. And it was like not, you know, we didn't have as many roads as we do today and not all of them <laughs> were like paved and stuff. So if you were right. rattling your ass down what is Highway 7 today in the 1930s, you were on a dirt, dusty road, and a drive that you could make today comfortably in four or five hours might take a day or more. And, of course, you're in this car, and it's got wood floorboards, and there's dirt and dust, and the windows are open because it's 100 degrees out, and you don't have air conditioning yet. So they built this specifically so people could stop and do things like wash their feet and clean up so that they would be presentable when they got into town. 
Now, if you want to like look back and wonder why that greatest generation we talk about from World War II were able to go out and do what they did in World War II, and the people were able to get through the Depression and all, there's your answer. Like when, yep. when you have to put up a tarp and camp to make a drive to town, right? With big, like my grandma used to say, go to town, um, and, and take two days to get there in a car, and take a bath in a creek before you get to town so that you look presentable. Right, that's the type of mindset you need when you are basically a refugee, at least temporarily. And I just kind of, kind of wanted to lead off with that mindset. Yeah, we're talking about propane heated portable showers and solar Port showers and what, and what wind machines and you know camp yeah. stoves and smokers and you know, and what gym what? memberships today and you know they had tarps and Model Ts. Tarps, Model T's, and a creek. Oh, I'm dirty. I don't feel good. I need to clean up. Find a creek. Find a creek. So, kind of with that in mind, you do need to get clean at times. And somebody wrote in a, a really great tip for us and said, be sure to mention to people they have a $10 a month membership to Planet Fitness. They can go to any Planet Fitness in the USA and take a shower and clean up if they're bugging out. Yeah. Yeah, if you're in one state going to another state, and you need a shower, it's like, there's a plan of fitness. And I got this from watching some YouTube videos of some people doing some travel vlogs. And it was like, yeah, we're heading into Phoenix, so we're going to try to hit a plan of fitness and take a shower. And I'm going, great. I mean, if you got a, a subscription to plan of fitness, $10 a month, LA Fitness is a lot more expensive, but they're everywhere. But if you got a membership, take a, uh, advantage of it. If you can't find anything but in like an LA fitness or a one offer, just go and ask. It's like, hey, can I take a shower for 10 bucks or, you know, we're evacuating from Houston and have your, you know, phone out. Hey, this is part of my daily vlog, some free PR. Don't know, just ask. But Planet Fitness stats, there are over 1,500 locations across all 50 states in Canada and Latin America. So you should be able to find a Planet Fitness to go in and clean up, you know, almost anywhere within the United States. And I'm wondering if you can just sign up for that online. So if you didn't want to maintain a membership there, as you're bugging out, jump on your phone and sign up. Everything is e-commerce today, so they might have that option. I'm not sure. I will say I do think this is a superior option to things like I'm going to go to the truck stop. Because if yeah. you've never been in a truck stop and you're there long enough, let's say you stop and get a burger or something like that, and you're there for long enough, you'll hear something like, you know, Joe Smith, your shower is ready. You know, Tom Jones, your shower. So, you, yeah, they're way – like, we're, they have a locker room at these places, and you go in and find a stall and take a shower. So I think well, that's good it's, 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 I've been to many a truck stop shower, and they're a lot nicer than that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You, you, you get a room, you get this big bathroom to yourself. Yeah. It's like, it's like a big luxury bathroom. And it's got a big shower in it. It's got a couple of sinks and a toilet and everything else. And, you know, it's got a door on it that locks and it says number 10 on it. Yeah. Now, here's the key words. You got to walk in the back door where the truckers walk in. And it wouldn't be bad if you looked a little shabby and had a hat that said cat on it. <laughs> but you walk in, you look at the lady behind the desk, and you go, yeah, uh, can I buy a shower? 
And and she goes, sure, $8. They give you towels and everything and soap, and you go back, you take a shower. But those are the key words. That's the lingo. Um, I'd like to buy a shower. So don't forget that. And I keep a trucker hat in my uh, truck and everything when I travel because I usually park back with the trucks uh, with my uh, camper. And because I got the generator going, and it's like, who cares about a little Honda generator going when you got diesel trucks idling? And I'll go in there and get food and supplies and sit down at the restaurant and, you know, occasionally buy a shower and everything. But truck stops are one of my favorite places to stop when I'm traveling around the United States. They got everything you need. Forget rest areas. Truck stops have nicer bathrooms and it's like a huge, huge 7-Eleven on steroids with a Denny's built into it. <laughs> and just go sit down in a trucker lounge and watch a movie. I'm just going to advise you that if you are in a bug-out scenario and you you know, have to be judicious about your use of the facilities as far as bathrooms, that you avoid the jalapeno sausages that have been rolling back and forth for 12 hours. That's probably not a good idea. <laughs> and, and, anyway, moving on from there... Um, Next question, Jack and Steve, I don't have room for a trailer, even one as small as Jack describes. What can I do for carrying more stuff on my vehicle, Jerry in Georgia? Well, you could go rent a trailer from U-Haul. That's an option. Uh, also, a friend of mine wanted to point out that there are a lot of soft shell carriers, you know, vinyl slash leather slash something tough fabric that you can roll up and put in the cabinet, and it straps down to the top of your vehicle, and you can uh, you strap it down up there, you can start throwing luggage into it. And it's waterproof and rainproof, and then there's a whole range of hard shell cases that go on top of your car to increase your amount of space. You know, if you're bugging out, you don't have to be bugging out with a trailer. Maybe you got totes of bug-out stuff in your car top carrier. If you have a square hitch mounting system on the back of your SUV or your truck, there are cargo carriers, steel ones, that slide into the back of that hitch on the back of your vehicle. Many people will put their dead deer there, or they'll put their cooler and their generator especially it's a good place outside of the vehicle to put your cans of gasoline that you don't want inside of the vehicle. And if all else fails, you can do what the Clampets did in the Beverly Hillbillies. You can strap stuff down to your hood. I mean, not blocking your vision, but you can strap down a bag to your hood, and you can strap down a bunch to your roof. Uh, Harbor Freight is the place to go to buy ratcheting straps to hold stuff. Use your imagination on what you have. What else can you think of? Well, I mean, first of all, <clears throat> I want to say those uh, those cargo extenders that go into your, your penal hitch receiver. Yeah. Uh, those things are genius. And, and I am a huge believer in we don't buy things just for disasters. We buy things that have practical uses and then service of disasters. And, like, when I go surf fishing... The fact that I can take two of the giant igloo coolers, stack one on top of the other, and ratchet strap that to those one of those carriers, 
and have yep. all of that additional ice, cooling, food, etc. for you know a weekend away on the beach, and still have my entire truck bed. I kind of like that because two of those coolers take up the majority of a truck bed. Uh, yep. So those, those things are genius and should be, and that's one of those things to look into other things that go in that hitch. I've seen things that hold hammocks from it and stuff like that, and you know use your imagination um, on the strapping stuff down. My dad ran for years a used pallet business. He had this flatbed truck. And the first time I saw him, I was in the Army when he started this. And when I came home and saw him stacking pallets on that truck, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it was like, how high? He's like, as high as I can go without hitting the overpasses and the, and the wires going through town. And, I mean, he got those things stacked up so high. When he threw that ratchet strap over, it looked like freaking Pete Rose from a baseball. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it worked. And he, you know, I mean, he knew what he was doing. He had a trailer that he would do the same thing with. So, you know, I, I'm not saying everything stacks as easily as a pallet, but stacking is a thing, and it does work, especially if you have a truck. Um, now, help me out with this, Steve. When he says he doesn't have room for a trailer, even as small as I described, is this a new question that came in after the last episode with the folding trailer, or was he talking about, like, teardrops and stuff like that? No, the folding trailer. Uh, see, so here's what I got to say, and this is going to sound mean, but I smell a hint of bullshit. Just a little, a little, little whiff, right? Because we're talking about a trailer that takes up about as much space as a 12-speed bike. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes people don't want something, so they say they can't. And I think it's right. really important when we're making these decisions that we differentiate between those two things. Now, it could be that he lives in an apartment complex somewhere where they just don't allow that. And he doesn't have a buddy within 10 miles that would allow him to keep the small foldable trailer there. I guess that's possible. I would say make some friends, right? I mean, I mean yeah. so I don't make it some friends because, you know, you probably could find a place to keep this. Um, I would definitely say start considering the public storage option because your smallest public storage, you know, paid storage units could definitely hold most of your gear and a trailer like that. And I was thinking about that idea. And remember I talked about the two pieces of uh, plywood and that makes your decking and all. Um, making it more storable, since you basically have a 4x8 platform on that trailer that that plywood will fit perfectly on, there's no reason to not just cut that plywood into 4x4s. makes it a lot easier to store, a lot easier to work with. Yep. And if you go to Home Depot or Lowe's, they'll do one cut on plywood for free for you. So you right. don't even need a saw. Right? You can go to Home Depot and get two 4x8 sheets and say, I want them both cut in half. They'll do that for free. By the way, if it's like thick plywood and for this application, it should be like, you know, 5 8 three quarters. Uh, it's a lot easier by yourself to load and unload from your truck or to do things with when it's that size. And I did yep. this just recently for a totally different reason. I had some platforms I needed to build for some aquaponic systems. And I'm like, I don't want to go out there and load two of these heavy-ass plywood boards into my truck by myself. So I had the guy right. cut them in half for me. And when I had him do that, I'm like, that would work a lot better for those folding trailers. So I would say, if you don't want something like that, that's fine. But before you say you can't, in any of this, not just this one, please make sure that is true and that you've exhausted the possibilities. Or say, honestly, that's not what I want to do. And therefore, I know that the alternatives I'm going to have to settle for are by decision, not by you know circumstance. Yeah, saying you can't really locks you in in the mentality. Saying I don't have the ability here is completely different. And it goes back to that rugged individualism uh, and also the idea of what would you do when there's a gun to your head. 
uh, you, you will come up with solutions to problems that you would never thought of when you're facing a situation where you might be in peril. And this is a situation where you might be in peril. And having a storage unit with that fold-up trailer in it and the 4x4 pieces of plywood to throw your stuff into and hook it up to your car, yeah, you're going to have to get a small receiver hitch for your car. Yes, you're going to have to get a small four-way wire connector for the car for the lights. But, I mean, that just might be, if you're in hurricane country uh, or fire country, that just might be what you better have to think about, Buttercup. So get on it. Well, the other thing is, like, do think about the most probable dangers. Like we said, if you're preparing for hurricanes in Nebraska, stop. But generally, there is a primary route of egress that you would evacuate out of, right? That, that If you live somewhere and there's a huge forest to your east and not a huge forest to your west and you're worried about fire, you would probably bug out to the west, right? Right, right. right into the forest as it burns up, right? So with that in mind, you know, if you're going to do the, the uh, storage unit, Think about having it 10, 20 miles out in the direction that you would most likely evacuate. Because it might be that all you need to do is, like we talked about last episode, evacuate to your storage unit. Right. I mean, and like you said, you can't live in them or whatever. But, you know, nobody nobody wants to be Best Buy and have a picture on Facebook circulating around of the, you know, $50 bottle, $50 case of bottled water during, you know, Hurricane Harvey. Nobody right. wants the bad press of, of, of not allowing people to, you know, have some basic decency during one of the worst times of their life. In Best Buy's defense, I don't think that they actually price gouge anybody. They charge what they always charge for water. And, Steve, have, just to defend Best Buy here, have you ever said to yourself, you know what, I need to add a couple cases of bottled water to my house. I think I'll go to Best Buy and get them. Right. Why was was there a fifty dollar? Yeah, it, it, when I figured it out, it came out to like a dollar eighty eight a bottle, and it, of course, people made it out like Best Buy was the devil during Harvey because they had a case of water for you know fifty fifty four forty four something like that, whatever it was, and it was like, okay, you people aren't even thinking; you just want somebody to be angry at because what probably happened is people started asking for water by the case at Best Buy. And some stalker girl went, well, we charge a dollar eighty a bottle, and just, oh, that's how much a case is. And, and this went, like, uber viral on Facebook. And, you know, I'll never shop, all that kind of crap. I'm going to boycott Best Buy and all. You don't go to Best Buy to buy bottled water. <laughs> you just don't. Um, no, you don't. But nobody wants that experience. That, you know, so I think people will be a little bit lenient with actual long-term customers in a scenario like this. Um, but, I, again, I'm back to don't. Don't be so sure you can't do something. But if you don't want to, that's fine. It makes me think of people with gardens. Well, I don't want a garden, Jack, because when the apocalypse comes, somebody's going to steal my tomatoes. Dude, just say you don't want a garden. And then you can be honest about what you need to do to, you know, compensate for that. Because um, you're not here's, worried about somebody stealing a freaking tomato from you in the apocalypse. I mean, here's, here's the other thing that I am violent against. And that is other people who have never done shit with their life trying to get you to stop what you're doing and to do shit with your life as well. <laughs> so so you tell your neighbor, yeah, I'm going to start a garden and grow my vegetables. 
Oh, bugs are going to eat it. Oh, you know, this is yeah. going to happen to it. The animals are going to eat it. Oh, I'm going to make a, bu- a garden for emergencies. Oh, the locals will steal it. Yeah. Shut the hell up. <laughs> okay, let's move. Let's move on from there. Um, Steve and Jack, what about mental alertness of the driver? You could be stuck in traffic in hours and hours all day. Uh, what do I need to do to stay awake? Lord knows my wife and kids are going to fail, fall asleep while I'm stuck driving. David in Alabama. <laughs> well, we'll put a link in the show notes to a guide on the net about how much caffeine is in different drinks. It's very informative. The traditional cup of coffee is about 100 milligrams of caffeine. So this is kind of like your base reference. Uh, I personally use military energy gun, gum and uh, yeah, military energy gun. Yeah, that's a good one. Military energy gum, G-U-M. And each green piece is about 100 milligrams, so the same as a cup of coffee. Since you chew it, it enters the body as sublingual through the mouth and under the tongue into the bloodstream and it goes through your saliva into your stomach. And so it hits you pretty quickly in tens of seconds. Uh, I prefer this to take this over higher doses because I can dose as needed 100 milligrams at a time. Your traditional five-hour energy drink has 200 milligrams of caffeine in it. Cans of Mountain Dew and Cola, 50 to 85 milligrams, so not that much. Um... Then if you're drinking that much Mountain Dew, trying to stay awake, you're going to have to pee, which will keep you awake. But that's not... <laughs> yeah, if you want to stay awake, drink a bunch of water and get your bladder full. That will keep you awake. But that's not a good idea if you're stuck in traffic. Uh, something to note, uh, some little Starbucks and Dunkin' Donut venti coffees can be well over 400 milligrams of caffeine. That's huge. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes to the military energy gum. It's like $28 for a case of the stuff, uh, well over 100 pieces. Five-hour energy costs about 2 bucks to 5 bucks each. So I looked into this. The number one winner for the best amount of caffeine you can buy for the lowest dollar, dollar is regular old Nodos. It's on... Amazon for 13 bucks, 60 tablets, and they're 200 milligrams each. So start with half a tablet. It's a lot smaller than the gum and the five-hour energy drinks. Uh, like I said, we'll put a T-Spaz link in the notes. And I would be remiss on this show if I did not consult with an expert on something like essential oils. Caffeine is not your only option. One, there is the fighter pilot trick, and I guarantee you, you're going to do this as soon as I tell you. It's like saying you can't lick your elbow. How many people try it? If you tickle the roof of your mouth with your tongue, go ahead, do it. It makes you wake up real quick, at least for a little bit. And then there's an old-fashioned army trick of putting a pebble in your shoe just to give you some pressure every time you step down on something. That helps keep you awake as well. Now, my friend Jean-Pierre would admonish me if I did not tell you some of the natural ways. Peppermint essential oils. I believe you like peppermint oil, don't you, Jack? Absolutely. And this is one reason why. 
Rubbing a few drops on your skin will help wake you up and you smell good. You don't smell like B.O. Uh, a few drops in a cup of water that you swish around your mouth, don't swallow, uh, will wake you up, especially in the a.m. I've done it. It works. Because I wake up like I'm on Valium. I was like, Ugh. And I did this with a couple drops of peppermint and a mouthful of water in a cup and swished it around. And all of a sudden, it was like, I'm awake. Uh, you know, not jittery and caffeine. It was like, I'm awake. Um, other things I do is I'll put a drop of uh, concentrated essential oil on my T-shirt. Just about at the bottom level of the pocket on my T-shirt. And that way I'm constantly smelling it through the, through, through the day. And it does wonders to keep you refreshed and working on what you need to work on. Um, I use uh, tangerine and orange. I've also used peppermint. Lemon will also work good for keeping you awake. But I think peppermint is the number one winner. So just like lavender will help you relax and sleep at night with a few drops on your pillow, Peppermint will keep you awake. And um, that's about it on essential oils. What do you got? Oh, beet juice. The stuff you see advertised about uh, super beets and uh, beet boost and stuff like that. Uh, many Olympians use that. That is also a give you energy, wake you up, uh, oxygenate your blood type of uh, all natural remedy for staying awake. Okay, I got a few things to add. Number one, peppermint is one of my favorites uh, for many different things, settling stomachs, which is also good during this time, and uh, it, it's it's highly valuable. Uh, you don't just need to use essential. You, you don't just have to use essential oils, though. And a good thing they always have around for comfort is like a candy type thing. And of course, everybody's familiar with Altoids, and yeah, they have a pretty good pungent punch of peppermint. But uh, my my wife's family is Dutch, and they were very fond of a peppermint called King's Peppermints. Uh, these are great big peppermint tablets. They use pure peppermint uh, essential oil in them, and they are fantastic. Now, the danger is you might eat the whole box of them, uh, but I've <laughs> added a link to the show notes where you can get these things, and uh, they're about a buck a tube. Uh, and they're, they're fantastic, and, again, they're that comfort item, and they, they give you that peppermint thing. Number two, my wife and kids are going to be asleep. Uh, you know what? You need to talk to your wife and say, we're going to be driving in shifts if we're going so I don't care if you're going to Disneyland. Right, this concept of well, my kids and my wife's going to be asleep while I'm driving. Well, if you have two people or three or four or whatever, they're licensed drivers on long trips, so that nobody dies, you take freaking turns driving. That's just you just do that. I don't want to. She'll be asleep. Poke her in the ass, wake her up, put her behind the wheel. Next, when you talk about being stuck in traffic, if you're evacuating and you're out of harm's way and traffic is not moving. Find a place that you can get off the highway and go rest. Stop. And sleep. Don't, sleep. Don't sit there burning gas, right? And burning your, you know, burning the midnight oil, so to say. Once you're in a safe place, you know, look for that spot. If you're stuck on the highway where it's flat enough you can comfortably drive through to the access road, go find a parking lot, go pull over on the side of the road. Don't sit there in traffic not moving. There were people that did that till they their cars ran out of gas. Not this time with Harvey, but one of the, I guess it was Rita, when everybody evacuated Houston, and they were north of Conroe. You're not going to get hurt there. You're okay. Pull over. Take a break. Let the traffic clear out. Then use your gas wisely and regas yourself. 
The Time Trick. I don't want to say the name of the book because I am not sure which one of his books this was in. But one of my favorite alternative health practitioners is a guy named Dr. Andrew Whale. And he had an exercise that uses the technique you were talking about, but to a higher level. I don't want to give the exact thing out, but if anybody knows which one this is, let me know and I'll, I'll put it out in the future. But basically, it was putting the tongue to the roof of the mouth, but it was also a breathing exercise that went along with it. And I, I can remember very clearly reading this book back in my days when I traveled all the time and I was on an airplane. And this is where, you know, I'd be in Boston one day, Pittsburgh the next day, Roanoke the next day, and then home. Like, so I was traveling, and you get really worn out. And especially when part of your job is to entertain clients, which means sacrifice your liver in the name of corporate sales. Um, so I'm really worn out, and I remember doing this exercise sitting in a plane seat and feeling very, very refreshed. Uh, but I don't want to give it out because I'll get it wrong. It was that many years ago. But Dr. Andrew Weil, uh, one of my favorite guys, and it was probably eight weeks to optimum health, but I'm not sure of that. So if anybody knows, let me know. Great. Anything you, you did in the Army? Oh, uh, you know, stand up. So pull over and stand up and walk. Like when right. we were in classes, they, I mean, the, the, our, 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 our classes for our training, not, not basic so much, but, you know, for your skill set. I mean, the guys yeah. teaching that new parts of those classes were just boring as hell. And most of our teachers were not uh, drill sergeants. They were civilian instructors. So they were not as in your ass as the drill sergeants were, which I think is part of the plan anyway. And uh, they knew there were certain components of that that, you know, just – and they knew we were being run ragged still with our military side of the training as well. So they would say things like, you know, if you, if you get tired in class, you stand up. And it's amazing what that does. I mean, um, on – you know, the other thing is sleep when you can. That was a big thing in the military. Like, sleep is sacred. That's why, like, when you do guard shifts, especially during training or certain schools or something like that where you don't get a lot of sleep, like – if, if somebody is supposed to get up and take over a shift and you go to wake them up and they don't get their ass up immediately, they're probably getting what you call the, 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 uh, the sleeping bag drop, which is where you reach down, you grab the sleeping bag, you lift them about one foot off of their rack, take two steps backwards and let go, right? Mm-hmm. And that'll wake them up, right? So, But the reason that happens because in times of stress and in times of limited sleep, sleep is sacred. So when you get the opportunity to sleep, sleep. Because it's amazing what a 15-minute nap will do for you. Yes, that, that's it a, does. That's a huge thing. You know, and again, understanding the role of every responsible adult in the situation. So in the military, you don't expect a guy to stand guard for 24 hours straight, right? He stands guard for two hours. And then you rotate out. And you do that based on head count, the situation, and what's possible in the situation. But you never expect one person to just be awake for 24 hours. Because, you know, even if they do it, they're not going to be alert. You know, they're not going to be alert. They're not going to be competent. They're not going to be able to execute in the situation where you need them. So I'm back to if you've got more than one adult, this, you know, the other one's going to be sleeping is crap. You don't do that. All right. <laughs> so let's see. Let's move on from there. I think we killed that one pretty good. Um, Jack and Steve, being at, back to the car, right? Being stuck in a car for 14 hours can really stink, especially with two little kiddos in the back seat for a long period of time. What can I do to help time warp on them so time goes quicker and they fuss less? Also, Steve, you seem to be a really connected guy. What should we be using for data in the car as we evacuate? Christy in Maryland. Well, Midland, I'm sorry. The distraction, entertainment, and children's 
not a specialty of mine, so I'll be deferring to Jack. And I, I, I did call an expert. I did phone a friend. Uh, I want to remind you to have an inverter in your car and DC charging a USB adapter so you can keep all your phones and tablets charged. I'd say a DVD player for the kids, but that's really kind of a 1990s, 2000 things. I think today the kids are watching more YouTube and Netflix. So have a tablet for them with games on it and movie ability would go a long way. So then there's a data aspect of it. As of 2018, we've gone back to some of the unlimited data plans available. This can vary between cell phone data plans and different hotspot data plans. Hotspot is a device or a setting on your smartphone that lets you connect other devices via Wi-Fi to the Internet via your phone being a hotspot. And uh, I got AT&T for a cell phone with 15 gigs of data. Uh, that includes hotspot data, and it's 4G, unlimited 3G after that. I also use very actively a Verizon Jetpack hotspot, uh, which is about the same. It's not a phone. It's a, just a little box that you turn on that gives you 4G hotspot data. And it's, again, 15 gigs, and then at 4G and 3G after that. I have to be connected when I travel because of what I do. Um, Verizon, if you listen to Bob Wells, he goes, just get Verizon, just trust us, don't question us, trust us, get Verizon if you want the biggest coverage. So if you're bugging out and you saw a Verizon story going by, you can stop. You can buy the jetpack I got, the Wi-Fi hotspot, for about 200 And then it's just month to month with no plan on the Wi-Fi hotspot. So you can sign up for like 80 bucks for a month for 15 gigs of data, unlimited 3G, and just use that while you're bugging out to stay connected, which goes back to we mentioned about the passenger being online, looking at Airbnb and VRBO as you're bugging out, trying to find a house to rent instead of a hotel so you can have a nice place to bug out to. Uh, that works as well. Um, I called a good friend of mine, Harlan Meeks. He's got a three-and-a-half-year-old and a, a six-year-old. And I asked him flat out what he entertained the kids with on a 14-hour bug-out trip. And his answer instantly was Netflix. Each child has their own tablet with hearing-safe headphones so make sure you got that 10-foot USB cable to go to the back seat from the charger in the front. Netflix for his children. Each child has a child-only profile where it's only kid-friendly TV shows, movies, and specials. He says even his three-and-a-half-year-old handles Netflix on the tablet like a wizard. And... Also, when you buy a Disney DVD, they come with a code that you can download a digital copy of the movie to the tablet, and you might have those on there as well. Uh, they have normal games on tablets, the kids do, that are like coloring and puzzles and Fruit Ninja and Candy Crush for kids and Smurfs for kids. The kids will play those games on the tablet. Uh, Harlan and his wife said to bring along a small cookie sheet 
from a dollar store as a work surface, and the kids will also color in coloring books with crayons, cookie sheets with edges so the crayons won't roll off. And they said, don't forget to bring the potty seat that goes on the regular toilets in the rest areas. How about your grandkids, Jack? you got to leave in an hour. What yeah. are you going to do? So they send them with their parents. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, on the, uh, on the Netflix and the uh, YouTube and all that, uh, my granddaughter is not yet two. I think she'll be two in about four or five more months. And, man, she can work a cell phone or a tablet, and she will watch hours of uh, YouTube videos. And they're just, oh, my God, they're mind-melting children's songs, one little finger, two little fingers, stuff like that. Uh, and it works. And so much so that we have very strict time limits. Uh, but I have no problem in a bug-out situation going, here you go. Just go freaking nuts. And that does work. <laughs> I, I, I like that idea, and that is more what the kids are doing today and all, but... If there's uh, 50,000 people on a highway heading out of Houston, maybe other people are using the cell service, and maybe it won't work as good. So I still think maybe the old-fashioned DVD player with some DVDs as a, a you know, two-is-one-one-is-none type situation. Another yeah. thing that I think should not be discounted, especially as kids get a little bit older, uh, when you know they develop their language skills and they can understand, audiobooks. And, and, and I think that is fantastic for everybody. See, everybody can share. And you know what happens when everybody's listening to an audio book? The most important thing for Dad, everybody shuts up. Yeah, everybody quiet. shuts up because they're listening to what's happening in the story. And I would rather listen to Hansel and Gretel 400 times in a row than listen to screaming and yelling and hollering and what we should be doing when all I'm trying to do is get us somewhere. So Justin, Justin Rhodes used audiobooks with his kids when he was traveling doing the Great American Farm Tour. That's right. The audiobooks are a fabulous thing. And you can have 20, 30 of them easily on your phone. And then that way they're there. You do not need the Internet to work. You don't need the cell service to work. And as we've talked about, Steve, like one of the last things to fail, especially in today's modern age with all the modifications that carriers have made, is the cell networks. But they do. And you can, so like, they've gotten better at like, okay, you go to a football game and, you know, the Verizon or the AT&T service doesn't fall over when everybody's posting pictures. But that's what's called bursty traffic. And they prepare for, and they know that's going to happen, and they allocate more nodes to handle that, and they schedule that. They can only do so much during a disaster when their primary goal is simply to keep service up. So I, I yeah. really believe in having like a secondary, tertiary things for the kids to do. And then people are going to think I'm evil for saying this. This is the truth. There is a certain amount of discipline with your kids. And I wouldn't do this, but I'll tell you what my dad used to do when we would get in the car and go for a long trip. He'd turn around and he'd reach out and he'd put his hand right along like our ear as a backhand on all three of us and go, just remember, I can reach all of you. <laughs> I, I can reach all of you from up here. So I, I think that's, and, and, you know, to be fair to my father, it was very much in jest. And it's not the approach I would take. And, you know, 1980 was a different time than 2018. You'd probably get CPS called on you if you did that today. But the point I'm making is there is a place for teaching your kids some level of, look, we have to do this now. And I'm back to, I don't care if you're going to Disneyland instead of bugging out. I don't know what it is where kids can't, you know, take a long car ride anymore. Because when I was a kid, you know, our family wasn't that well off, and we did take a vacation. Let's say when we were living in Florida, we take a vacation in Pennsylvania. That's more than 14 hours on the road right there. You got in the car, 
you shut up, and you went. And I, yep. I, I think that it makes a lot of sense to try, especially in a stressful situation, to make our children comfortable. But there's also a place for this is the way things are going to be right now. Now, <laughs> this is also directly proportional to what language skills has the child developed at what age. I can have a conversation. My, my seven-year-old grandson is held to a higher standard than my 18-month-old granddaughter. Not because she's a girl and he's a boy, because he's seven. And I can say, Braylon, this is the way things have to be for this. And he can understand every word I said and repeat back to me that he understood it. And we can discuss anything he doesn't understand until he understands it. Yeah, try that with an 18-month-old. That doesn't work, right? <laughs> so you have to adjust that. You know, that level of discipline, obviously, with the child. That's more parenting than, you know, bugging out. But that all functions together. And that's what I'd say. Be strong in your parenting all the time. If you're strong in your parenting all the time, that doesn't mean be mean. That doesn't mean be a jerk. That means be strong. And when you say something, you mean it. So that when you and get in a crisis, when you say something, they know you mean it. So and you say, what we were talking about, Jack, that rugged individualism yeah. that starts with you teaching your kids when they're young. So, and what I'll, what I'll add to that, though, with the kind of the redundancy of audiobooks or some DVDs or something, I'll tell you the only thing worse than having upset children and not being able to hand them a tablet so you can think and let them watch one little finger for the 400th time is to have the tablet and it doesn't work and the child doesn't understand why it won't work. <laughs> so my granddaughter managed to actually sneak the tablet into the car one day. She's 18 months old. She managed to like stick it in one of her things that she had and pulls <laughs> it out while they're driving down the street. Well, this tablet that Dorothy has is for our home network. It does not have a cellular connection on it. Okay, right. It's a Wi-Fi only. Explain to the 18-month-old why one little finger won't come on it. I so if you're going to rely on this, have that redundancy. I guess that's what I would put as my final thoughts there. Hey, also Sirius XM has an old-time radio channel where they do the uh, uh, the old-time radio stories and shows that they used to be on, and they'll have audio books and other things. Cool. So if you, if you don't have one of those, you can download and put onto the car. Uh, again, the passenger's duty should be this. Uh, you can turn over to one of those channels on Sirius XM and get some. I've listened to the old-time radio uh, serials and stories. and Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're really, I mean, they were fascinating back then, and they're still fascinating. Well, and they if, were made for that purpose when you didn't have television, right? Or like, well, they, they had something back then called Theater of the Mind, and that's what it is. And if you can open up your theater in the mind, you know, it might go, oh, this is lame. No, open up your theater of your mind and listen and discover a whole new world. I, I, again, we want to get back you know, with what your kids are going to be doing and facing in life and everything else. No teacup kids, rugged individualism. You got to get over the snowflake and safe space thing. And it's going to start with your 18-month-old Jack, I bet you she's going to be a hell of a girl when she grows up. Yeah, I, I, I can see it already, man. So moving on here, um, Jack and Steven, your last show, you cut it short on places to bug out too. What are some out of, uh, some of the out of, I don't really understand how that is, some of out of the tools I might need to find an out of the way bug out place, Daryl and Tennessee. Uh 
Oh, what are some tools I might need if I need to find an out-of-the-way bug-out oh, place? Okay, okay. I must have, must have been late when I was doing that one, Jerry. <laughs> All right. Uh, one thing I remember from doing a bunch of research work on manure as a fuel with farmers in Texas in the 90s is Walter would say, hey, let's go on a fence check. Little did I know that a fence check trip took three hours <laughs> of driving the fence line. You know, it's like, how much land you got? Section? What's a section? 640 acres? How big is that? Square mile? <laughs> it's like you're driving on the grass, checking the fence so the cows don't get out. Well, we'd come up to gates that were chained shut, and there'd be like five locks on the gates, with a chain holding it all together. And I go, Walter, why is there five locks on the gate? He says, that's because there's five people who need to have access to this property. And each one has their own lock with a combination or a key that opens it. So any of the five can open it, open the gate, drive in, and lock it behind them. And so if you were bugging out and you wanted a quiet place, and you found a road uh, with a locked gate on it, and you got onto Google Earth on your phone or your tablet, and you looked at the property where you were at, it's like, hey, there's no house or farm on this property. It's just farmland, or it's just grazing land. It's just a field. Uh, I'd have a really nice set of bolt cutters with me, and I'd cut a lock, <laughs> drive through, put my own lock back on so it was locked behind me. <clears throat> Again, you can get cheap locks at big lots. And me and my truck and trailer and food and water and generator would drive about a half mile, half, half mile into the middle of the fence and lock field and I'd be pretty comfortable. <laughs> uh, I am told Menard has a great set of folded half bolt cutters, and don't forget your favorite Ryobi or Dewalt uh, mini grinder or uh, cut-off wheel will go through a lock pretty darn quickly. But uh, I think getting to an isolated spot like that, locking the gate behind you, I think that's a really safe place to be away from the zombies. I, I think the one thing I would add to that is be careful where you do that. Yeah. Especially in Texas, you know, we have a we have a, a pretty hard line philosophy with, with uh, trespassers here. But in the right environment, I can see that working. The other thing I would say is is a is an extra thing. If you were going to do what you said and cut uh, and, and get in there, if you can, if there's not nothing but locks there, don't cut a lock. Cut a yeah, link. Cut, cut a cut chain, chain link. And that way, the guy that owns that other lock, if he needs to get in there and get in there too. Um, well, I'm yep. a huge fan of bolt cutters being part of your uh, your vehicle kit yep. because you don't know where you're going to need to go and when. And things that you would not do in peacetime, you may comfortably do in wartime. Yep. Uh, again, uh, what Jack says is great. I, I should have thought just cut the link of the chain yeah. and then add your lock on as lock number six. That's how all those other locks got there. I'm telling you right, right now. <laughs> Well, shit, I don't have these keys. Plump, plump. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's how they all got there, you know. Um, so, um, next question, if you're pulling your bug-out trailer with a pickup truck, 
Would you go in the bed of the truck instead of the trailer and why, Jason, in South Carolina? Didn't we do this one already? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm losing track. I think we kind of covered it, sort of, but we can probably um, give a few tips here. I keep my fuels, my gasoline and my diesel and my Coleman fuel in the bed of the truck. Then I use a siphon to fill up anything that uses a fuel on the tailgate of the pickup truck. That way I'm outside because you always spill stuff. Yeah. If you're, like, trying to fill up your Coleman stove with gasoline, you always spill it. Uh, wipe them up outside and let them dry before lighting them. Uh, kerosene lantern or Coleman fuel stove, fill it outside, wipe it down, evaporate, you know, before you – in fact, I would light it and then I would move it inside. I would still light it outside and then just carry the stove inside the trailer. Uh, also, in the back of my truck, right behind – as soon as I get out of my driver's door – Right there in the bed is a short-handled, straight-blade, uh, flat shovel. I don't know what the name of it is. Jack probably does. It's right behind the cab next to the wheel well, and it's a, it's a short shovel, and it's really thick. It's like for digging straight lines. And if I get stuck in mud, snow, or ice, it's right there, and I can dig myself out real quickly. It also makes for a hell of an improvised weapon. Six foot two of me holding this blade looks really wicked. It's at Home Depot. It's incredibly durable, thick shovel. Uh, you can pound ice with it indefinitely, and it won't break. And uh, I found one on Amazon for you. We'll put a T-Spaz note in there. Uh, I keep my generators in the bed of my truck with a locking cable going to the corner tie-downs tie or the holes in the side of the truck so they won't get stolen. I keep my cooler with ice and drinks in the bed, easy to get to, but not too easy. If it's in the cab, you might drink too much and then have <laughs> more peace-offs. I also keep snacks and other handy eating items in a tub in the bed of the truck, and snacks are easier to eat than full meals when traveling. Also, for the driver to eat a full meal, it's more likely your stomach might take priority, and that can lead to getting sleepy. What do you want in the back of your truck, Jack? Well, let's start off with that shovel you mentioned. I pulled up the link on Home Depot, and it's basically a garden spade. It's a flat, flat garden spade. Um, I like that shovel. I'll tell you what else I like. It's known as a troweling spade down here in Texas. The only place I've ever heard anybody call this, they call it a sharpshooter. And it's about the same length as the one you're talking about, but the shovel's longer, and it, it's uh, it's rounded on the bottom, and it's, it's it goes to a point, and it's really useful for things like hitting rocks out and digging trenches. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about an improvised weapon? Uh, yeah. I'm telling you, man. So I'll put a link to both of those. So uh, that that's kind of my preferred implement, and with all the rock I have around here, it's very very useful. And it's like you said, good for getting out of you know stuck situations and things like that. I'm with you on the fuel. And I think this is a very much, you know, one of my favorite answers to most questions, no matter where they come from, is it depends. So what do you have and what space do you have available? And, right. and I'm very much anything that can burn or cause, you know, air issues or something, obviously that goes outside. Anything that really needs to stay dry, that goes inside. And that's kind of how we make that decision there. Um, you know, what type of... Uh, 
packaging do you have? Like, I'm, like we've talked about the Rubbermaid tubs enough now, but the black and yellow ones with the recessed tops, and they sit in the back of a truck really great. Uh, but they still can leak a little bit, so if something in there is really critical. I think it's, it's really important for people, when they make decisions like this, to do what we call the TO&E in the military, the table operation expenditures, which is basically what is everything that's going on this vehicle? What is everything in this toolbox? What is everything, you know, that, that goes with this kit? And, and know everything that you have and where it is. And once you have that, I think the answer to what goes where gets really easy. Do, what do I have room for? What is dangerous in there? What most needs to be protected? What do I least want stolen? If it's something I least want stolen, it's either going in the locked trailer or it's going on the bottom of the stack in the truck. How am I going to make that decision? Is it right. like I want at least amount stolen because it's expensive or at least stolen because it's really necessary? If it's expensive, it's, it might go in the back of the truck on the bottom of the stack. If it's really necessary, it might go in the trailer right at the back door so I can get to it quickly. So right. I think you have to go through everything and you have to make a determination of all the things that I'm going to have with me what is what is most useful? What do I'm going to most need? And I'm back to another recommendation here, and that is if the only reason you're going to put together a bug-out trailer is for bugging out, you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of expense. It's a lot of time. It's it's a, You have space you have to take up, whatever. I think that the person that should be doing this is the person that says, I'm going to use this when I go deer hunting. I'm going to take the family camping four or five times a year, et cetera. And I think if you'll do that, then you will figure out the answer to these questions, right? So you might go camping and might think, I don't need an extra 15 gallons of gasoline when I go camping this time. Right. Unless it really ruins your life. Take it anyway, so you get the experience with it. You know. Yes. And it, it will never be a. You'll never be like, damn it. I wish I didn't have this gasoline. You know, you, you might see somebody on the side of the road that needs five gallons of gas. There was a time my buddy and I, we were doing construction work. We had a huge trailer, and it was a real pain to do this. And everything we had was diesel, so everything we had was diesel. But we passed this lady who was crying. She had two kids in this car with her, and she's pulling a U-Haul trailer. So we pull over, and we walk back, and we're like, what's up? She's I'm out of gas. Just don't, don't. And it was, like, not a really great side of town at all. So at first I was going to be like, don't get out, don't, you know, and ended up saying, hey, Daryl, why don't you stay with her? And I took the trailer and we went, I went around to a fuel supply point that we always got our stuff, dumped a five-gallon can of diesel in the truck. Yep. It's, it's a little diesel resident. It's not going to hurt anything. Trust me, it's fine. Filled that can up with gas and went and dumped a can of gas in her, in her car. And you had thought we were, you know, angels from heaven or something as far as she was concerned. So you're never going to be like, I wish I didn't have this. You know, when you're on your way home, and you need a little more, you need to top the tank off, and you really just want to get home because you've been camping all weekend with the kids, dump your gas in your car, and then Monday morning when you go to work, fill them up. That rotates yes. your fuel. So go out and use this stuff. You know, when you go hunting, instead of renting a hotel, you know, go out to your deer lease and set up with your camp. And yes. if, you, if you use this stuff, the, the things like, well, where do I put what, that will answer itself because – You'll screw it up the first time and go, gee, I really didn't, I really didn't like that. It would have really been better if I had had this. It would have been really better if I put that there. Well, that's the time to do it. It's, it's just an inconvenience while you're deer hunting. So that when you rely on it, and this is much like the military, right? Like we had alerts where some alerts were just everybody show up with your ID and stand in formation. Okay. Everybody was here. Go back to work. Right. 
And then we had full-on alerts. Get your gear, get on a helicopter. And sometimes we'd get right to the helicopter. Somebody would shake down all our shit and go, okay, go back to work. And sometimes we'd get on the helicopter, fly around in circles four or five times, land and go back. I mean, we never really went anywhere with those types of alerts. But we did go through all of those motions and see, okay, this is what you failed at. This is what you got to do right next time, etc. And so it can be a lot more fun than that, honestly, because you're like, well, I'm going out tonight. No, you're not. We're on alert, right? So you get to schedule this stuff, but use it. Because I really think that if you're not going to use it, a bug-out trailer, you would have been better off investing in other preps. What was uh, – you were on some TV show with Glenn Beck, some panel, and they asked you what's the most important thing for preparedness – and, you know, everyone else said water and food and whatever. Whatever their thing was. Yeah, the ham radio guy said ham radio. The food guy yeah. said food, right? Yeah. And you said knowledge. Yeah, knowledge and a mindset, right? right. Like if you, you – you can't have everything. You can't. It's not possible. So what you have to have is the adaptability to say, in this situation, what are my tools? Of my tools, what is most applicable to this situation? And how do I adapt to it? And then understand, like – you know, we're probably not going to end up as true refugees like people in Syria right now. Like, there is a relative stability to the United States, so let's not let's not panic in these situations. Let's make the best of a bad situation, learn from it, and adjust. And when you do your camping trips or when you actually have to bug out, keep a journal and, 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 and figure out where you can do better and then tweak that and get better and be okay with that process. Uh, there's been times where, like, the power went out. My wife and I, when we used to use the Arkansas places of vacation, and we're up there one night, power goes off at like 11.30 at night. So we sat there, turned the AM radio on, and listened to that crazy nut job show. Was it Coast to Coast AM, right? Yeah. Bernard Bell or whatever. And listened mm-hmm. to some guy talking about gnomes and shit like that. And we sat there and said, okay, it's a power outage overnight, whatever, no big deal. we got a generator. Okay, what if it was going to be like this for three weeks? What would, what would we right now wish we had? And we right. sat there and made notes, and it was fun because it mm-hmm. because it was it was just an exercise, so it was easy for it to be fun. But it also made it real. Okay, like now we're in a situation that lets us get in the mindset that we would be in if power was going to be out for three weeks. Ironically, Steve, a few years later when we were living there and the ice storm of doom came, we didn't go three weeks, but we went thirteen days in sub freezing temperatures with no power. And you know what? When the neighbors came by to check us on us on Christmas Eve, we had the freaking Christmas tree lights blinking and a steaming top cup of gravy on the on the, the thing and a turkey cooked. Yeah. Right? And they're like, well, is there anything y'all need? I'm like, well, is there anything y'all need? Because we're good. And they were like, well, we can finally get in town and get some more gas. And I'm like, okay. And I handed them four gas cans. So I said, and I gave them some money. and said, fill these up while you're in town. So when they came back to give me my gas, I'm like, no, that's your gas. Bring me the cans back when they're empty. Because I could tell they needed it more than I did. And right. it's that type of operational preparedness that gets you in the mindset to be able to handle it. So so there, that's my thoughts on that. I think that's perfect. That you, you got to practice it. If you don't practice it, if you don't you know, try to live it for a while, if you don't do the experiment, you're never going to learn, and you're going to make all the first-time mistakes. All right, let's move on from there. Jack and Steve, how about foods? Heat and eat. Do we reuse plates or once and disposable newbie in New York? Jack, what comes to your mind first when it comes to food and bugging out and driving for 14 hours in traffic to get away from the danger? 
With a bug out trailer. Candy, nuts, and beef jerky. Yeah? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's like I, you know, you don't have to do anything. You put it in the kid's mouth, the kid shuts up. You know, I mean, it's, it's easy. So, I mean, I'm not saying that's what they're limited to, but that's the first type of thing. The on the go. And that's the kind of stuff that's like, I have in my bug out bags, I have, you know, mountain house full packs and all. They're in the bottom. What's in the top? Candy, nuts, beef jerky, things like that. Right? Yep. Beef sticks, because you reach in and then, like, okay, I'm munchy. I'll go in and I'll, like, uh, I've got some of those. I got these, they're called country boy sausages. These dry sausages. Mm-hmm. Freaking good, right? So, like, if I get really munchy at night, I'll go out and grab a thing out, and then you know, make a note next time you're at Academy, pick them up and replace them, and that rotates your food. So it's also food you want to eat. That, that's you know, crackers. We did that with uh, you know, citizens assisting citizens, things like that. They put calories in you, and they don't require any prep work. I think maybe other things once you get where you're going, but on the move, you know, what do you think, man? I think making a cold ham sandwich is too much trouble. I'd say snacks all the way for me. Things I keep things in one gallon Ziploc bags in the freezer for my instant bug out food. Uh, I like Snickers bars if I'm hungry, but they can go stale. Same with peanuts and M and M's or trail mix, granola bars, and anything that is open and eat with your hand. Is they all spoil or go stale by the time you have a disaster? Even with the sugar-infected Snickers bars, trail, the trail mix has nuts. Those go rancid slowly at room temperature. So my solution is I just put them all into the different one-gallon Ziploc bags and put them in the freezer. Ah. And, before, and before I leave to bug out, I, I, I just open up the top of my backpack or my tote, reach into the freezer, pull out four one-gallon bags of all these different things I just mentioned, and they go in my pack, and it's like frozen M&Ms are perfectly delicious. So if you, you want to gnaw on something, you know, get a frozen Snickers bar. You'll gnaw on that thing for a while. It'll keep you occupied. <laughs> well, and it won't melt all over the car. <laughs> no, well, right. no. You can do the same things with kids' cereals they like to eat. You can put them in the freezer. Uh, frozen peanut M&Ms. Um, this also applies to jerky and the bit long or bit that you've been t- teaching people to make. Uh, buy it, make it, freeze it, forget it. Vacuum sealing is preferred, but if you don't have one, Ziploc bags will work great. Smokehouse almonds and honey roasted peanuts are items I like as well. It's not always chocolate. You know, on like jerky and biltong, that that stuff, if you put it like in a jar or a bag or whatever, it will store almost infinitely without it being frozen. The main reason you put it in the freezer so you don't eat it all before you need it, uh, you <laughs> stick it in the bottom so you have to dig for it, especially biltong. But um, yeah, definitely, I uh, I would also say like when you're when you're kind of you know making this this type of of a plan again, try to use things that you would eat anyway. Right, like, yeah. and, and that that again helps with rotation and stuff like that. Um, I'm with you on making a sandwich when you're on the road, really being kind of a pain in the butt. Make sure you have food that the kids will eat. Take all of your nutrition concerns during your bug out and just put them on the shelf. Yep, throw them out the window. They will be there when you get home, and you can take them back off the shelf, and you can go back to your you know preferred diet of nutritional needs. Uh, things that don't spoil are generally things that aren't that good for you. 
But, <laughs> yeah. right, when we're traveling and we're just trying to get somewhere and get through it, again, if it makes the kids happy, if it makes mom happy, if it keeps you fed, that's great. Um, I, I think that's that's kind of the way to go there. Yeah, yeah. you can have your snacks when you're bugging out. Once you get far enough out, you know, take a break, stop at a Cracker Barrel, and have some food while they still have it. But for on the road, I'm going snacks all the way. Um, I'm not going to put a can of pork and beans on a propane stove to warm it up. Uh, as far as cutlery goes, uh, <laughs> I said cutlery to a guy, a kid, a snowflake in a restaurant. I was like, hey, we need some cutlery. He was like looking at me. Like, <laughs> I, I, knife, fork, and spoon. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so cutlery goes. Plates and cups, I go all disposable uh, for those, just so there's no cleanup mess. Uh, actually, Dave Iam had a nice trick he taught me. If, say, you did want to open and heat something like a can of Chef Boyardee, and you just open the can, you want to eat out of the can, you take the can of whatever you want to eat, and you put it into a little saucepan, and it's got like an inch or two of water in it. And you put that over the stove. So the stove heats the water, and the water heats the can. That way you never overcook or burn uh, what you want to heat and eat. And, you know, Chef Boyardee or other soups are just heat. They're already cooked. They're just heat and eat. Um, so the water boils. It heats it up to only 212. And it's hard to overdo it. You can come back in 10 minutes or 30 minutes, and the food will be at the same hot temperature ready for you to go. You can just eat out of the can, throw the can and the plastic spoon in the garbage. Um, for hot liquids like coffee and tea, use styrofoam or hot paper cups you can buy in the store with lids that look like the ones you get from, from Starbucks. But that's about as fancy as I'd get. Yeah, and I like the idea of using the water to heat the stuff in the cans because you don't. I said put your nutritional concerns on the shelf, but you probably shouldn't do certain things. So, like, when I was a kid, we used to go fishing. We'd take hot dogs and beans with us, and, you know, you heat the beans up right in the fire in the can, which is, like, probably totally releasing carcinogens out of the can, and you eat enough of the beans to cut the hot dogs up and shove them back in the can and heat them up that way. Uh, that's probably not a good idea from a, from a health standpoint. I like that idea because 212 degrees, that can was hotter than that when they canned it. Right. right. So I think people need to get, you know, kind of a grip on certain things like, well, it's going to get released. But no, no, no. They, they pushed it up to about 265 degrees to can it. So 212 ain't nothing, you know. However, yeah. if you, 400 degrees in the fire probably isn't good. But boy, they tasted good, you know. And so I know you said that, like, you're not going to be firing up the, the propane stove and, and heating up beans and all. On the way out, no. But, like, man, those types of things are really great comfort foods when you get where you're going. Yeah. And, and I don't think you need a month's supply or anything like that. But, you know, one of your bins full of some things like, you know, beanies and weenies or, you know, I like Bush's beans. They're, I think they're a little bit better tasting. Or whatever it is you eat, Wolf Brand Chili. You know, some Wolf Brand Chili, you know, some cheese in that cooler and uh, some nacho chips. You know, yeah. that, a, a, a jar of friggin' jalapenos, and all of a sudden you've got chili and cheese nachos while everybody else is eating a pack of crackers somebody handed them because they didn't have anything and mumbling. Like, that's not a bad thing. 
Um, comfort food. I mean, look, you're in a different psychological mode. You've been displaced. You know, you don't know if your house has been burnt or is it flooded and, you know, everyone's whiny and it's a little cold or it's a little warm or there's mosquitoes. Go for the comfort foods. Go for it. Absolutely, man. So I think maybe we could cram in two more. We'll just start out trying to cram in one more because we're at an hour 15. We're, we're, we at, some, we're so. at an hour 15. Let's, yeah. let's call it here because the next one's kind of long. It's on lithium batteries okay. and charging them. So if you want to hear about lithium batteries, charging them, and a whole bunch more stuff, come, come sync up with us. Next month, uh, first Tuesday of every month, this, this, uh, week we had to do, or this month we had to do it the second Tuesday. Uh, and folks remember, I am, you guys are getting some interviews this week. You're getting Steve today, uh, you're getting Lynn Albright tomorrow, and, uh, who are you getting Thursday when you're supposed to be getting me? Uh, you're gonna get, uh, Andrew Anderson on how libertarian and anarchism is compatible with what we would call public lands if we do it right. So we got a lot of interviews coming up. Steve, hey, man, I really appreciate you being with us today, uh, coming in early today so I can uh, get all this doubled-up stuff done and all the work you've done to compile all of these things for these shows. Hey, I love it. I love it. I mean, it's it's really an, an outlet for my creativity and for my preparedness. And people write me, and they put things on Facebook, and it's just, you know, it, people do things. I mean, it's a... Only 1% of the people listening will actually do anything that we're talking about. And when someone takes a picture of something we talked about and posts it on Facebook and says, hey, look, I did it. It's like, someone actually did it. Great. I mean, it's a, it's a great sense of accomplishment. That It's also we, a sense of responsibility. I remember I was probably up to, like, episode 24 or 25, and some guy emailed me, like, when I had, like, 10 listeners, and he was one of them. And he's like, I did this and I did that. And I was like, holy crap, I better really think. And that was back when I was doing the car, you know, and you're doing everything off the car. I'm like, I better really think about the shit that I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, know? you got to be careful. People yeah. just might do it. Just might do it, man. Well, again, man, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, and if you want more of my uh, preparedness and you're new to TSP, just go to www.steven, S-T-E-V-E-N, one, two, three, four, Dot com. Actually, you can go to Steve one two three four, Stefan one two three four. They all, they all. I got them all. They all lead. The if Steven you pick one, something two, that sounds like it might be related to preparedness or energy, and add one two three four to it, you might find a Stephen Harris site. Not every time, but most of the time, <laughs> including the now infamous P. One two three four dot com. Oh, oh yeah. If you haven't been to P E E one two three four. You got to go there and uh, check it out, and make sure you click on the uh, demonstration video of the uh, of the P utility device. There's a, a video on there that uh, I think you'll you will like, and do and then if you get it, make sure you email me and tell me. Yeah, yeah. And let's just say Steve and I might be the two old guys in the balcony, and we'll leave it at that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, Steve. Have a great day. Okay, Jack, I'll see you. Bye-bye.
Well, great show again. I mean, this is just an awesome topic. It lets Steve and I really go into this topic deeply by doing this multi-part series. And I think we're getting a lot of really great everyday, hands-on, preparatory information into this as well. Uh, and I can't think of a better person to be doing this with than Stephen Harris. So many thanks to him yet again for the commitment he's made to uh, to following this through. Pretty much, we think... Uh, at least, at least it'll take 2018 and knock this thing out and turn it into one of the greatest series I think we've ever done at TSP. Uh, thinking about that, we will start started this in our ninth year and ended it in our tenth. That that says something. Anyway, I really hope you enjoyed today's show. Um, because of the way I had to do things, I have this one uh, preloaded, uh, so to speak. So I do not have a, an item of the day for you on the show today. Uh, but remember, you can always support us by going to tspaz.com when you do your online shopping. You can see all the products that I've reviewed on Amazon. And I bet there is an item of the day that you can see if you go to tspaz.com and pull up our latest reviews. So I hope you enjoyed. Uh, hope you, uh, you know, I, I do hope you guys uh, appreciate what we do with tspaz beyond just being a way to support our show, but the, the value of the reviews and the recommendations we provide. Uh, I've, I've not really had anybody email me ever and say, you know, this product you recommended sucks. I've had one or two come up with a problem, and we've either decided that product doesn't get recommended anymore or we figured out what's going on and helped out the person. Uh, but in general, I mean, some of the items I've recommended at T-SPAS have been you know, bought over a thousand times without any complaints. I really put a lot of effort into my research at T-SPAS, and this is why, guys. I, I think many people, especially that are new to this show, don't realize this. If it's on T-SPAS, I own it and I use it. And that means when something new comes on T-SPAS, I, I saw a need in my life for a product or a service or something. And I said, okay, now, if you're going to spend your money on this, how do you make sure you get the best thing for you and your family and your homestead? And I go on, I research it very seriously because I'm buying it. And I'm not buying it so I can sell it. I'm buying it so I can use it in my life. And then I buy it, and then I try it, and then and only then do I recommend it. And I've had products I have bought, and I thought this is going to make a great T-SPAS item. And it's gone back. I love Amazon's return policy. Or I've gone, you know, I'll... I won't return this, but I won't recommend this. And so I just wanted to take today, you know, and, and kind of point that out that that's, that is the effort that we put into our product recommendations and our reviews at tspaz.com. With that, let's talk about our song of the day today. The song of the day today is called Diamonds and Rust. And remember, we're in Gender Bender Week. This is where songs were originally recorded by female artists or female groups and then are covered later by male artists or male groups like today. Growing up in the 80s, man, one of my favorite groups, Judas Priest. In fact, I did not know this song was not an original. I, I laugh today when people cover a song that was put out in the 80s or the 70s or something like that, or the 90s, and young people think it was like, oh, it's their original song, they did it. And it's like, no, that song's 30 years old. Um, and, and I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and I'm very familiar with 70s music. I'm, if you guys have been listening to the show any length of time, you guys know I love music in the 70s. One real familiar with a uh, artist named Joan Baez, B-A-E-Z. I'm not even sure that's how you say her name. But apparently she was uh, a, a girlfriend of Bob Dylan's in the 60s. And this song was released in 75, and um, I, I, I do know who she is as I researched this song for you guys on John Adams' recommendation for the show, for this song, uh, she's the person that sang The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. But I, I really never heard her version of this song until I listened to it in the lead-up to this show. Uh, Judas Priest recorded it, and they did, in my opinion, an awesome job with it. I actually prefer their version of it over Joan's uh, version of it to 
a great degree. Theirs is very kind of, it's Judas Priest, so it's Judas Priest, right? Hers is almost, almost on the edge of operatic, right? It, it's, it's folksy, which you would expect somebody, you know, kind of teamed up with, uh, Bob Dylan, uh, mid 70s, still in that era. It's got that, that higher octave, it's slower tempo. It's fine for what it is, but I like the Priest version of it. But she wrote this about their love affair, uh, you know, 10 years or more prior. And um, you can read all about it in songfacts.com. I have a link if you want to read all the, the juicy details, and there's some pretty juicy details in it. But I think it's more, to me, I, what I want to talk about before I play the song for you is what this song's about. This song's about looking back at past relationships, you know, the, of the romantic type. And what you'll see is diamonds and rust. The good and the not so great. And I think that's a good thing every once in a while to look back and understand when we look back to our past, to not just, and whether it's a relationship or anything else, with nostalgia, to see the good and the bad. Because the problem is, we're, we're in that grass is greener syndrome that I talked about on yesterday's show. If you only see the good in the past, you sometimes don't realize how far you've come. Or you live in the past. And I think it's very important that we live in the present with eyes toward the future. And I did a piece, a little simple piece I put out on Facebook recently, and I think it maybe makes sense for me to read it for you before uh, before you hear this song. And it was just a simple write-up that I did off the cuff because I was thinking about it, and it kind of fits this song in a, in a way anyway. Do you live in the past, present, or future? We all live in all of them to a degree, but the dominant one will dictate your level of success and happiness in life. Those who live mostly in the past will never achieve the future they desire and will always blame others for it. Those who live primarily in the future will always avoid the work necessary to make it happen and will drift aimlessly until they run out of time. Those who live actively in the present will use the lessons of the past to create the future they most want with actions in the now. How do you know where you are living primarily? Your vocabulary will give it away. If you live in the past, you will tend to say things like, This always happens. It's just like when. And I had it harder than you. If you live in the future, you will tend to say things like, Someday things will get better. I can't wait until. And I hope that. If you live in the present, you will tend to say things like, How can I? What is the opportunity here? And what can I do to make something happen? In short, while there's much to learn from the past, and much to be gained from having a dream, in the end you are the captain of your own ship. Those who live in the past live in a world that blames others for what they don't have. Those who live in the future live in a world of dreams that make them feel better, but will seldom come true. The only way to make the most of your past and fulfill as many of your dreams as possible is to live in the now. The best part is just as your vocabulary can give you away, it can change where you live, change what you say, and you will, and you will change how you think. Once you change how you think, you can create the future you desire. It's all a choice. And the good or bad news, depending on how you look at it, is this is how life works. It's a blatant fact. So no belief is required for it to work either for you or against you. It simply is. Oh, and notice something. Those that live in the past and in the future have something in common. They make statements of something that already did happen or is going to. Those who live in the present ask questions because they know the past is but a guide and the future is yet unwritten. And as we look into that past, we will see both diamonds and rust. We should learn from both, but live squarely, presently, in the now, 
with an eye toward the future. With that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't.